Madhava Jaya Kundavihari Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Bihaji Jaya Kofi Janabalava Jaya Girevadhari Jaya Girevadhari Jaya Gopi Janabalava Jaya Giri Vadadari Jaya Giri Vadadari Jaya Jasoda Nandana Jaya Brajachanaranjana Jaya Jasoda Nandana Jaya Prajasana Prantana Jaya Jamuna Tirabana Chadi Jaya Kunja Bihari Jaya Jamuna Tirabana Jadi Jaya Kunja Bihadi Jaya 
Jaya Jamuna Thiravana Chadi Jaya Rasabi Hari Jaya Rasabihari Jaya Rasabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Vihadi Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Vihadi Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, 
هر رامو غاره رامو 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 غاره غاره
there anyone who's more proficient than me at reading the Sanskrit? There's one text. Anyway, I'll struggle along. First, I'm going to read text 10, and I think it's text 11 on the board, right? Huh? What is here on the board? Underline is 11. What is the word that it starts with? Tam eva paramatmanam. Dusaha preshta viraha tivra tapa dutushabha dhyana praptat dhyana praptat tutta slesha nirvritya shinamangala. That's text number 10. They're combined, so the translation is combined. So I'm just to save time because I've got a lot of ground to cover if I'm going to discuss the things that I want to discuss. So to save some time, I'm going to skip the word-for-word -word synonyms. We'll read this responsibly a little bit, and then we'll go right into the translation, if you don't mind, with your permission. So, Tom, Eva... Paramatmanam Jara Budhyapi Sangata Jahur Guna Gunamayam Deham Sadhya Prakshina Bandanaha Tam Eva Paramatmanam Jara Budhyapi Sangataha Jahur Gunamayam Deham Sadhya Prakshina Pandana Pandanaha Pandanaha So someone else please could not go to see Krishna, intolerable separation from their beloved caused an intense agony that burned away all impious karma. By meditating upon him, they realized his embrace and the ecstasy they then felt exhausted their material piety. Although Lord Krishna is the supreme soul. These girls simply thought of him, thought thought of him, as their male lover, and associated with him in that intimate mood. Thus, their karmic bondage was nullified, and they abandoned their gross material bodies. We can repeat this, please. For those gopis who could not go to see Krishna. Intolerable separation from their beloved 
caused an intense agony that burned away all impious karma. By meditating upon Him, they realized His embrace and the ecstasy they felt exhausted their material piety. Although Lord Krishna is the Supreme Soul, these girls simply thought of Him as their male lover and associated with Him in that intimate mood. Thus their karmic bondage was nullified and they abandoned their gross material bodies. So, uh, this is a very long purport and it's a very beautiful purport. Mainly, it's uh, actually completely, this purport is uh, Vishwanath's commentary. It's about five pages. <laughs> so, please listen attentively. Usually, uh, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, I have a tendency to overextend the class time. It is mentioned that uh, the rasa dance was extended to the length of the night of Brahma. Sometimes I wish that class time could at least be at least ex extended to the length of a moment of Brahma, you know, so that so that we could have enough time to uh, at least um, make a, a, a humble attempt to glorify the uh, the principles and ideals which are established by this most uh, elevated subject matter in this section of the Bhagavatam. Srila Vishwanath Chakravati comments upon this verse as follows. Here Shukadeva Goswami speaks in a peculiar way. Listen attentively, please. He presents the intimate object the gopis attained as if it were an external idea thus keeping its true nature secret from outsiders. So we might ask the question, are we insiders or outsiders? While at the same time, he reveals to the confidential devotees, well versed in the scientific conclusions of devotional service, the internal meaning that is his real purport. Thus, to outsiders, Sukadev Goswami says that Krishna gave the gopis liberation. So the outsiders are those who are liberationist, obviously. In other words, they're not in tune with the real meaning of bhakti. Some people are bhakti kami and some people are mukti kami. But to the confidential hearers, Shukadev realizes, uh, excuse me, Shukadev reveals that when the gopis experienced separation from their beloved, there arose in them 
immeasurable unhappiness and immeasurable happiness and that they gradually achieve their desired goal. Thus the verse can be understood as follows. Because of their intolerable separation from their beloved, the gopis felt terrible agony by which they caused all inauspicious things to tremble. <coughs> in other words, when people in general hear of the gopis' extreme agony and separation from their beloved, they abandon thousands of inauspicious things. This is very interesting to note. I'm not going to comment on it now, but there's some very interesting points and we should mark them as we go along. People in general, when they hear of the gopis' extreme agony and separation from their beloved, they abandon thousands of inauspicious things simply by hearing about these pastimes of Krishna and the gopis and how Krishna again and again puts them in agony, which is the nature of Krishna for his own purposes which is always for the benefit of his devotees. Things even as fearsome as the subterranean fires of millions of universes or the powerful poison swallowed by Lord Shiva, all these things were abandoned, are to be are abandoned by people in general who hear of these topics. More specifically, those who hear of the gopis' love and separation give up their terrible false, false ego and thinking themselves defeated, defeated are shaken. <coughs> so, first he's talking about the uh, hearing about this extreme ang uh, agony and separation and that causes people in general to give up all inauspicious things and then upon hearing about the gopis uh, intensified love for Krishna and separation that causes people in general to give up their terrible false egos and we could say also false pride and false prestige thinking themselves defeated they're shaken when the gopis meditated on Lord Achuta, he became manifest and personally came to them. And they experienced great joy by embracing his body. This is in meditation. Which was full of transcendental love for them. The gopis also experienced great joy by exhibiting personal characteristics and a sense of identification appropriate to such love. So this is an important point also, uh, <clears throat> that they experience great joy by exhibiting personal characteristics. These personal characteristics will be seen in terms of their sarup siddhi. In other words, <clears throat> as it's discussed later in the purport, how it is that the transcendental body became manifest as their devotion increased and their materiality of their bodies decreased simultaneously. 
but and it's it's given. Uh, uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there there will be you will see that it's shown how devotees like Dhruva, for example, went back to home, back to Godhead, in uh, his self same body. But we should understand that for expression of the Madhurya Ras, there is need for having the sarup, which is appropriate. So anyway, we'll get into that a little a little further. But just just uh, in with reference to this statement that um, they ex- ex- uh, experience great joy by exhibiting personal characteristics and a sense of identification appropriate to such love. So appropriate means that because they're Madhurya bhaktas, they require the Madhurya sarup to give that ex- that appropriate expression. The, the, that joy made all their good fortune, both material and spiritual, seem paltry by comparison. The implication is that when other persons see how happy the gopis became upon embracing Krishna, when he manifested himself directly before them, these other persons feel that thousands of so-called auspicious objects are insignificant by comparison, including all the sense gratificatory pleasures found in millions of universes and even the supersensory pleasure of spiritual bliss, Brahmananda. Thus hearing of the gopis' distress and the joy that arose, respectively, out of their separation from the Supreme Lord and their union with Him, anyone can get rid of all the reactions of his past activities, both sinful and pious. Vaishnavas certainly do not think that sinful and pious reactions can be destroyed only by being lived out, since after all, neither separation from the Supreme Lord nor direct association with Him are in the category of karma. This kind of elimination of karmic reactions occurs in the stage of bhajan for those who have come to the level of anartanavritti. So uh, one point can be brought out here that there's those who have come to the level of anartanavritti and those who are continuously in the process of anartanavritti. Because we should, I'll get into this a little bit later if we have time, that, um, that there is a distinction between the categorical stage of anartanavritti and the process of anartanavritti. And thus the gopis thought of Krishna, the paramatma or supreme worthy object of all love as their paramour. Even though such a concept is ordinarily contemptible, the gopis realize Krishna in an even fuller sense than did Rukmini and his other queens who thought of him most respectfully as their husband. So now we're getting into the distinction between the Parakiyaras and Swakiyaras. That thinking of the Lord as one's paramour is superior to thinking of him as one's husband is proved by the fact that unbridled pure love is superior to domesticated love. 
This idea is borne out by the following words of Sri Uddhava. Yadusyajam Swajanam Arya Patam Chahitripa. These ladies of Braja abandon their families and their advanced religious principles, even though to do so is very difficult. Bhagavatam 10.47.61 In his pastimes on earth, Krishna often turns the most lowly things into the most elevated. As Bhishma stated, Krishna's pastimes of acting as Arjuna's chariot driver was even more elevated than his pastimes in which he acted as a mighty king of kings. I concentrate upon the chariot driver of Arjuna, who stood up with stood with whip in his right hand and a bridle rope in his left, and who was very careful to protect Arjuna's chariot by all means. This is the quote from Bhishma. Bhagavatam one nine thirty nine. Similarly, in the Lord's appearance as Krishna, we see that the normally inferior conjugal inferior conjugal rasa, namely parakya rasa, normally means when we say normally inferior, he is referring to the reflection of the tree, or the perverted rasas of this material world. In the spiritual world, the tree, the topmost thing is on the topmost branches of the tree that is described uh, in Srila Prabhupada's uh, Krishna book how the topmost thing in the spiritual world becomes reflected as the, the bottommost or the most abominable thing in this material world because of its being the, uh, the uh, what is it called, diametric opposite of the original Seva Bhavana of the soul. Similarly, in the Lord's appearance as Krishna, we see that normally inferior Kanjagoras becomes better than the normally superior mood of Shantaras, as also <coughs> the attitude of loving a paramour becomes superior to the loving exchange between legitimate spouses and lowly gunja necklaces, red oxide paste, and peacock feathers become better than the most excellent jeweled ornament. But it may be objected, so he's saying that, that although Krishna can transform, or rather the original feature of Krishna is the, uh, let's say, the supermost as opposed to the perverted reflection in the material world, still it may be objected that the gopis uh, uh, were not fit to be enjoyed by Krishna because they were connected with other men namely their so-called husbands of the material world. It may be objected that it is not fitting for the Supreme Lord to sport with women whose bodies who have already been enjoyed by other men. So now he's going to go, Vishwanath is going to go into an elaborate um, discussion about how those gopis who had actually attained Krishna in Maharas, that their bodies were not enjoyed by other men because their bodies were the spiritual bodies. Krishna danced with the Siddhadeha of the living entity. He didn't dance with the demonic form of the um, 
or the material body of a gopi. And it describes how there is a gradual elevation from the material to the spiritual platform by which this becomes possible. Krishna is enjoying with the spiritual forms and so there's, therefore there's no question of his enjoying any material form. This objection is replied to by the words beginning with jahu. The word deham is used here in a singular form to indicate unity of category. Even though the gopis are many, some authorities say that by the power of Yogamaya, these gopis' bodies disappeared in a way no one noticed. It means material bodies. But other authorities say that the body, in quotes, referred to in this context is the inferior body composed of the modes of material nature. Thus, by the prominence of the adjective gunamayam, it is understood that before the gopis heard the sound of Krishna's flute, their bodies had been twofold, material and spiritual. And upon hearing the flute, they gave up the material bodies which their husbands had enjoyed. This is referring to the less advanced gopis who had not yet attained the perfection of Vastu City, whereby they were able to uh, proceed directly upon hearing the flute to Rasmundo. We're talking about, here we're talking about the gopis who were detained by their husbands. Hare Krishna. We may analyze, excuse me, <laughs> this as follows. When devotees begin prosecuting devotional service in accordance with the instructions of a bona fide spiritual master, now please see how the, the important thing that I really want to discuss is the appropriateness of, of the um, subject matter under discussion with our own cultivation of pure devotional service in our own uh, spiritual lives. Many times we have a tendency to, uh, to see the subject matter as topics of interest but without actual application in our own personal life. The tendency is to scrutinize some interesting specimen, you know, practically as an armchair philosopher or to intellectualize, or to entertain ourselves by, by uh, let's say, hearing about the topics of Krishna and the gopis, etc., but without understanding the actual purpose uh, in the discussions being presented in the pages of Bhagavatam, which are meant for our, uh, not, not only our edification, but our purification our, and our elevation to the transcendental position. When devotees begin prosecuting devotional service in accordance with the instructions of a bona fide spiritual master, they engage their ears and other senses in pure devotion by hearing of the Lord, chanting His glories, remembering Him, offering obeisances to Him, giving Him personal attendance, and so forth. Thus the devotees make the Lord's transcendental qualities the objects of their senses, 
as stated by the Lord himself, Nirguno Mud Apashraya, Bhagavatam 11, 25, In this way, the devotees' bodies transcend the material modes because of their transcendental engagement with Krishna or Krishnaized uh, sense objects. Yet sometimes, bringing your attention back to this point of personal application, yet sometimes the devotees may take as their sense objects mundane sounds, where's Chakrina, and so on, and that is material. Thus a devotee's body can have two aspects, transcendental and material. According to one's level of devotional service, to that degree, the transcendental aspects of one's body become prominent and the material aspects diminish. This transformation is described in the following verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And I'm going to skip the Sanskrit because I don't read very well anyway and to save time. Devotion directed, uh, uh, devotion, comma, direct experience of the Supreme Lord, comma, and detachment from other things, these three occur simultaneously for one who has taken shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the same way that pleasure, nourishment, and relief from hunger come simultaneously and increasingly with each bite for a person engaged in eating. That's the end of the quote. When one achieves total, excuse me, when one achieves totally pure love of God, the material portions of the body disappear and the body becomes completely spiritual. Nonetheless, so as not to disturb the false opinions of atheists and so as to protect the confidentiality of devotional service, the Supreme Lord usually has his illusory energy exhibit the demise of the gross body. An example of this is the disappearance of the Yadavas during the Mausalila, when they killed each other with the canes. Sometimes, however, to proclaim the excellence of bhakti, Krishna, uh, bhakti yoga, Krishna will allow a devotee to go back to Godhead in his self-same body, as is in the case of Dhruva Maharaj. We can cite evidence for this point from the 25th chapter of the 11th canto. Quote, A living entity who conquers the modes of material nature which are manifested from the mind, can dedicate himself to me, Krishna, by the process of devotional service and thus attain pure love for me. Here, the Lord states that the defeat and destruction of that which is composed of the modes of material nature can be brought about only by the process of devotional service. Therefore, what we should understand from the present verse of the Bhagavatam is that the gopis who could not go to see Krishna had their inauspicious material bodies removed or burnt up, while their auspicious spiritual bodies 
far from being destroyed, simply grew more prominent because of the ecstasy the gopis felt by embracing Krishna in meditation. Thus, their bondage was completely destroyed. By the help of Yogamaya, they got free from ignorance and also from the prohibitions of their husbands and other relatives. We should not make the mistake of explaining this falling away of the gopis' bodies as being a result of their dying. As the Lord himself says, Bhagavatam 10.37, quote, Some of those all-auspicious gopis could not directly join me in enjoying the rasa dance on that night in this Vrindavan forest, yet still they achieved my association by remembering my transcendental pastime. By using the word kal, uh, kalyanya in this verse, the Lord implies even though these gopis wanted to give up their bodies because of their husband's prohibitions and the torment of separation from me, for them to die at the very beginning of the most auspicious fest festival of the rasa dance would, be, would have been displeasing to me and thus inauspicious, so they did not die. That's kind of like Radharani wanting to die, you know, but the hope of Krishna returning, you know, to, to Braja uh, after he had gone, supposedly gone to Mathura. So she's keeping the life heirs within her transcendental body on account of, um, of her knowledge of Krishna's displeasure if he were to come back to Braja and understand that she, that she uh, had left her body. So therefore, with the hopes of pleasing him upon his uh, uh, soon expected, uh, let's say, reappearance in Braja, she continued to maintain her uh, life heirs within the body in spite of the fact that it was a torturous uh, situation for her. More evidence that the gopis who were prevented from going to see Krishna did not physically die is proved by a statement of Sri Shukadev later in this canto, uh, 1047-38. Quote, Then they, the gopis, replied to Uddhava, feeling satisfied because, he, because his message had reminded them of Krishna. End of quote. Here we understand that the gopis speaking to Uddhava were the ones who had not had the chance to participate directly in the rasa dance because of being held captive in their homes. Thus the conclusion is that they gave up their material bodies without dying. Parched by the intense heat of separation, their material bodies gave up their materiality and became purely spiritual, just like the bodies, what's going on with the ants? Just like the bodies of such great devotees as Dhruva Maharaj. So he's comparing the appearance of the spiritual bodies, or the spirituality of the bodies of the gopis, uh, uh, as the being the same as uh, Dhruva Maharaj's body become, becoming completely spiritualized by complete absorption or jagya. Brahmarpanam, Brahmahavir, Brahmagno, Brahmanahutam. Everything becomes absolutely spiritual, or Brahman, by completely absorption in the Absolute. 
This is the meaning of the gopis giving up their bodies. The following analogy illustrates the status of the various gopis. Now this is very nice. This is interesting here. By observing seven or eight ripe mangoes on a tree, we can ascertain that all the fruits on the tree are ripe. Then when we pick them all and bring them home, where in due course the sun's rays and other agents will make them fine-looking, fragrant, and delicious, fit to be offered to the king for his enjoyment. When the time comes for the king to take his meal, a discriminating servant can choose those fruits ready to offer him. From the appearance of the fruits, the servant can tell which are ripe in the middle but still raw on the outside and thus not yet fit for the king. By the application of a special heating process, these remaining fruits will become ripe in two or three days and then they too will be ready to offer to the king. Similarly, among the Munichari gopis, the Munichari gopis as we heard yesterday are the gopis who were previously sages of Dandakaranya, who saw Ramchandra and desired the perfection of their uh, eternal relationship with Gopal because Narada Muni had initiated these sages into the ten-syllable Gopal mantra they were chanting. So they were chanting Gopal mantra and their object of love was Brajendananan Gopal, not Ramachandra. Similarly, among the Munichari gopis who took birth in Gokul, those who completely gave up the materiality of their bodies and very early in life achieved purely spiritual bodies were able to remain untouched by any other man. Thus, Yogamaya allowed them to join the Nitya Siddha uh, and other advanced gopis when they went to meet Krishna. Other Munichari gopis still retain some connection with the external material body, but even they, after being parched by the heat of separation from Krishna, gave up the materiality of their bodies and assumed perfectly transcendental bodies purified of all taint of contact with other men. On the night of the Rasa dance, Yogamaya sent some of these gopis out behind those who had already gone out. Others who Yogamaya saw still had a slight amount of contamination she kept back for, to further purify with the heat of separation and then she sent them out on some other night. So there's three categories of gopis described here, the Munichari gopis particularly. Those who, whose purvarag or their intense, um, let's say, attraction, preliminary attraction to Krishna with the, with the uh, intense hope of meeting Krishna had become sufficiently evolved uh, to the point where they had attained Vastu City uh, <coughs> early in the game uh, and they, they went to Krishna then some of them who were detained the, the separation caused the materiality of their bodies to, to burn up uh, and the spiritual bodies to become fully manifest 
and they left in their spiritual bodies that very same night and attained Maharas and then yet others who were still too much contaminated were detained and they attained Rasalila in the next year. After, after enjoying the pleasures of the Rasa dance and other pastimes with Krishna, the Munichari gopis who had participated went back to their homes when the night was over, as did the Nitya Siddha and other advanced gopis. But now Yogamaya protected these Munichari gopis from the material association of their husbands. In other words, these gopis were devoid of any selfish attachment for husband, children, and so on. Since these gopis were thoroughly immersed in the great ocean of love for Krishna, their breasts dried up so they could not feed their infants, and to their family members they appeared as if haunted by ghosts. In conclusion, it is not unseeming, unseemly that the gopis who were previously in material association joined in the rasa dance. Some authorities, however, maintain that the gopis who were kept back in their houses did not have children. According to them, whenever such words as apatya, children, are used in verses yet to come, these words refer to the children of co-wives, to adopt children, to adopted children, or to nephews and nieces. And that's the end of our purport. And it's only 20 minutes almost, a little after 20 minutes, till 9. So, uh, although I'm a, uh, you can say, uh, hypocritical wretch and not worthy of making any effort to discuss these uh, subject matters. Um, still, my uh, request is that uh, as Prabhupada sometimes glorified Chanakya Pandit, uh, uh, he said that um, that uh, even the uh, sign of a knowledgeable man is that he is able to accept meaningful advice from a fool. So, uh, if, uh, if we do extend, you know, past uh, your allotted time for hearing such discourses in Bhagavatam class, then uh, if you have something more important to do, you know, uh, then uh, I won't hold it against you if you humbly bow out. But I, I don't know where this is going to take us and how long it's going to take to discuss these things. You're welcome to stay, you know, even if it means missing prasadam or I know the VIHE is going on and whatnot. Sometimes it takes me up to 10 o'clock or even more to discuss the things. One thing I, I would like to point out is that um, in this last section of the purport there was some discussion about how 
the different levels of uh, of the uh, uh, devotees or the gopis say progress in the matter of purification of their bhava that um, you know those who are completely pure uh, the mark of their purity is that they're purely spiritualized or spiritual bodies are unsullied by association with other so-called husbands on the material platform. So the conclusion should be that that no woman in her right mind would desire the association of any other man than Krishna. That that should be the conclusion. So, anyway, I don't know what's going on with the mic. Hare Krishna. Maybe there's something wrong with the connection or something. Hare Krishna. So, um, these statements, and sometimes you will uh, hear me harping on this kind of, uh, let's say, subject matter. But uh, you should not take it uh, or misunderstand my purpose or the purpose of the charges in, uh, let's say, driving these points home. Why the the acharyas present, uh, let's say, the uh, the uh, fallibility of material associations? It, in reality, it is to um, to wake us up to a higher sense of responsibility to Krishna. And also, it is to humble us, because if we cannot, if we're not willing to recognize our own lowly condition, then we may not have the, let's say, proper, uh, the proper soil in which to grow the bhakti lata. So it's very necessary for us all to take the humble position. It's just like sometimes we see that uh, uh, I've seen this a lot in our society that the grihastas, those who you know identify themselves with the grihasta ashram many times they will um, they will let's say put forward the idea that you know you know who who are these brahmacharis and sannyasis you know us grihasas are as good as the brahmacharis and sannyasis actually even we're better because manasanghita says that the 
says that the Grihasta Ashram is the best of all ashrams because the Grihasta Ashram provides for all the other ashrams. So therefore it's the best of ashrams. So, um, and the sannyasis might think that, you know, you know, these Grihasta sense gratifiers, you know, who are they, you know, to say anything? We're, we're the, the best, you know, we're the spiritual masters of the, you know, varnas and ashrams, etc. So, of course, this is all based on mundane considerations. The real mentality should be that that I'm so lowly and fallen. The Grihastha should be thinking that I'm so lowly and fallen that I could not, you know, have the, let's say, wherewithal to, to let's say, manifest in my heart the necessary standard of renunciation, you know, as do these exalted sannyasis and brahmacharis, etc., giving them the benefit of the doubt. And similarly, the sannyasis should also think that uh, I'm so fallen and wretched, you know, in comparison in comparison to uh, these exalted grihastas, if I were to be associated with the objects of the senses as the grihastas are in their grihasta ashram, in their grihasta life, surely I would go to hell. Surely I would fall down. You know, I, I'm the, the grihastas, giving them the benefit of the doubt, the grihastas must be highly exalted devotees who are beyond they're actually stittadi munis, or you can say they're really um, dira in the true sense, that they can remain aloof, you know, with, uh, uh, in spite of the provocation, etc. So in either case, it's necessary to cultivate humility. So similarly, when in the shastras or in the... Uh, uh, a charge of Vani. We will see such instructions that women are nine times lustier and, uh, you know, uh, ten times more egocentric and all these things. This is a lookout, which is which is to uh, which is to help because impartially the charges are are giving. Uh, instructions for the benefit of all classes. Striyo, Vaishas, Tata, Sudras, all of them can achieve the Paramgatim or the supreme destination, but because we're coming from different uh, levels of material conditioning and have to get out of the material conditioning there's necessity to assess our condition and by doing so take recourse to the path of abject humility so that we can hope to make progress. We're simply uh, uh, we're simply needed to um, 
to take the uh, path of pure devotional service. We're simply required, I mean to say, to take the path of pure devotional service, which uh, necessitates uh, the uh, the uh, seedbed of pure devotional humility, which goes beyond material considerations ultimately anyway. So anyway, it's hard for me to gather my thoughts, but I want to to make some uh, let's say discussion possible in the matter of of our prime necessity of life and the purpose of the Bhagavatam, the purpose of the Bhagavatam class it is mentioned by Srila Prabhupada in the Krishna book he says that the example of the gopis is very instructive to persons who are trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness this is from the chapter of of, uh, of the gopis feeling of separation the example of the gopis is very instructive to persons who are trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness. So we should ask that are we trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness or not? So who is trying to, is there anyone here who is not trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness? So then we should, if if we can ascertain that in fact, we're here because we're trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness. Then we should understand that this instruction is for us. Srila Prabhupada's instruction is meant for us. The example of the gopis is very instructive to persons who are trying to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness. One can easily, very easily associate with Krishna simply by remembering his transcendental pastimes. Everyone has a tendency to love someone. That Krishna should be the object of love is the central point of Krishna consciousness. By constantly chanting the Hare Krishna mantra and remembering the transcendental pastimes of Krishna, one can be fully in Krishna consciousness and thus make his life sublime and fruitful. So really the purpose in all these discussions is to make us act on the information. We're not simply to to um, to, uh, let's say, stand by as, um, you can say, spectators. This is not a spectator sport. But we're meant to also let's say, cherish. We're meant to also come to the position of cherishing the hope of attaining an eternal relationship with Krishna. So, it is not that um, that we should simply think that our uh, hearing is for the sake of hearing because Guruji says that we should attend the Bhagavatam class so we have to hear, you know, as if we're forced by Guru's instruction. Even on the platform of 
Vaidhi Bhakti, this hearing uh, is, is meant to, because it's not ordinary Vaidhi Bhakti. Prabhupada didn't give us Vaidhi Bhakti. He gave us Vaidhi directed toward Rag. Because he's given us subject matters of discussion which are meant to elevate us to the point of attraction. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, attraction to Krishna, I mean to say, attraction to Prajanda Nandan, and ultimately attraction to the lotus feet of Srimati Radharani. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, uh, excuse me, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in his Samodana Basya of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Shikshamrita, he tells that for the sadhaka, because he actually has no experience of association with Krishna, it is only appropriate to cultivate the Purvarag aspect of Vipralamba Bhav. Vipralamba Bhav is having uh, is having various aspects Purvarag, Man, Prema Vaichitya and Pravas. So Purvarag or the preliminary attraction with the hope the anticipation of meeting Krishna in the future. That is the main consideration of Purvarag for the sadhaka. And that is only appropriate for the sadhaka. Because the sadhaka can hear about Krishna. An example given is the example of Rukmini Devi and even there's example of Radharani as well when she heard about Krishna and she heard Krishna's name she heard Krishna's flute she saw Krishna's picture so she became attracted to you know whom she thought was three different personalities thus condemning herself this was a matter a matter of her purvarag Rukmini, also upon hearing about the glorious activities of Krishna from the mouth of Narada, she also um, manifested an exemplary standard of Purvarag. So, this hearing about Krishna is the prime means by which we can cultivate this Purvarag, preliminary attraction. There's no question of cultivating this feeling of separation without hearing the subject matters of Krishna's transcendental Brajalilas. I want to just read a little something which uh, will help to elucidate Srila Prabhupada's intention 
concerning his presentation of Krishna books. To acquire this strong feeling of separation is the teaching of Lord Chaitanya and his direct disciplic succession of Goswamis. When we are not in physical contact with Krishna, we can associate with him like the gopis through feelings of separation. Krishna's transcendental form, qualities, pastimes, and entourage are all identical with him. There are nine different kinds of devotional service. Devotional service to Krishna in feelings of separation elevates the devotee to the highest perfectional level, to the level of the gopis. So here Srila Prabhupada is entreating us. He's beckoning, as he does in so many places, you know, how to, let's say, enhance our devotional feelings. Because after all, it is a heart's affair. And every one of us have a heart for Krishna. If we didn't have some place in our heart for Krishna, none of us would be here, sitting at the feet of Srila Prabhupada. So it's a question of nourishment. It's a question of inspiration. Prabhupada goes on further to say that those who are in the disciplic succession of the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya should always feel separation from Krishna, worship his transcendental form, and discuss his transcendental teachings, his pastimes, his qualities, and his entourage. That will enrich the devotees to the highest devotional perfection. Feeling constant separation while engaged in the service of the Lord is the perfection of Krishna consciousness. So there's, there's so many points that we can discuss regarding this, this uh, cultivation of our attraction and anticipation of uh, uh, very soon meeting uh, the lover of Srimati Radharani, Prajendananan Krishna, in the land of Braja. It is very necessary to understand that Srimad Bhagavatam is the essence of all Rasa Shastras. Srimad Bhagavatam is as described by Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur. He says that the Srimad Bhagavatam contains the essence of Vedas, Upanishads and other scriptures which deal in particular with the different relationships between the Supreme Lord and his devotees. The Srimad Bhagavatam is accepted as the most authoritative text on the subject of Raganuga Bhav. Further elaborating on the topics of bhakti, as propounded by the Srimad Bhagavatam are the corollary literatures headed by the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So, Bhagavatam is a book which is meant to inspire Raganuga Bhakti. And we shouldn't take it otherwise. If we're seeing in any other light, then we should understand that we're misunderstanding the purpose of Srila Prabhupada in presenting the Bhagavatam. 
and in demanding, commanding by his own personal example, his devotees to attend the Bhagwat discourses. The vidi which is given is presented for the purpose of giving the devotees an opportunity, giving us an opportunity to become acquainted with the subject matter which uh, inspires the enchantment of the heart toward Brajendanan and Krishna. Ultimately, this subject matter in the Bhagavatam is to point to the supreme ashraya, the supreme shelter, uh, and to make us understand our lowly position and our abject need to take to that supreme shelter. In Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur's Ascharya Rasa Prabandha and as well in Vishwanachakravati Thakur's Prema Samputa, these are books which deal with the subject matter of the purpose of Krishna's dealings with the gopis uh, in the uh, Maharas. He, d- he explains that the whole purpose of this, uh, th- this uh, Bhagwat is to display the, the paramount preponderance of Srimati Radharani above all other uh, devotees of Lord Krishna. And as such, to, to, uh, to uh, show the way to the highest perfection by taking shelter of the lotus feet of Srimati Radharani via media, our uh, transcendental uh, uh, Sri Guru Sampradaya. Our Sampradaya is as Rupanuga Sampradaya. The mainstay of this Sampradaya is to promote what is called as Babulas Rati. Babulas Rati is that attachment to Krishna in the mood of Srimati Radharani's maidservants. The, the attachment, although we don't deny the cultivation of any other rasa, but we should understand that it is the highest aim of the Gaudiya Sampradaya to promote the attachment to the service of Sri Radha. So it is essential, if we're to do so, it is essential to see what is our situation, what is our conditioning, just and to show us this principle, the discussion uh, at hand is very appropriate. Some of the gopis were detained. Why these gopis were detained is a very important consideration. It is because they were maintaining residues of material attachments. Because they were maintaining the residues of material attachments, they could not progress. They could not go forward. Sometimes I've been asked by some of the Brajbhasis 
those who are Brajajanas, who are born here, they will ask me that Indra Prabhu, uh, many times we hear in your society's preaching about the importance of increasing bhajan, increasing the quality of your bhajan. But we are born in Vrindavan. Is there any real need for us to do bhajan? They ask me sometimes. Because, because sometimes, because of the vanity of being a Brajbasi, the tendency uh, may be there to take it for granted that we're Brajbasis and Radha and Krishna, they're also Brajbasis, so things which are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. That mood is a spontaneous mood, no doubt, which arises on account of their good fortune of having been born in Braja. However, I always point out to them this incident of how these gopis, they were not born at any time in the realm of Braja, but they were born during the Prakrita Leelas of Krishna in the realm of Braja. They were not neophyte devotees given a, let's say, a fortunate chance to take birth in Braja, you know, with, uh, with the expectation of their, uh, let's say, taking advantage of that good opportunity for augmenting their, uh, let's say, their devotional attitude. But rather, they were born uh, in the presence, the direct presence of Lord Krishna when he was directly manifest. Yet still, it is shown how some of them had not attained the perfection of the necessary intensity of their purvarag, and as such, they were not yet completely freed from the anarthas. It is described that the anarthas are of four different categories those which arise from sinful life, those which arise from piety, those which arise from, uh, from the bhakti itself, and those which arise from uh, the offenses against the holy name. As for those which arise from offenses against the holy name, there is a description in... Uh, uh, Madhurya Kadambini, there's a description uh, where, wherein it describes that, that the, um, the uh, anarthas arising from Namaparad because they are eradicated in stages. The anarthas which arise from Namaparad are partially eradicated during the Bhajan Kriya stage wherein one is strictly under the regulative guidance of the spiritual master. They are substantially eradicated at the stage of nishta. They are almost completely eradicated at the stage of rati or bhav. They are completely eradicated at prema, 
but they are not absolutely thoroughly eradicated until the stage of vastusiddhi when one's spiritual body is completely manifest as described in this purport that we were just reading only at the stage of vastusiddhi can it be considered that all anarthas are completely eradicated the anarthas arising from sin are absolutely eradicated at the stage of asakti and the anarthas arising from bhakti they are absolutely eradicated at the stage of ruchi so we should not confound or misunderstand the subject matter when we are uh, let's say discussing the the principle of the application of the process of raganuga sadhana raganuga sadhana is is a practice of devotional service based on lobha this lobha is described by vishwanath chakravarti thakur also I'm just warming up a little so don't mind when a devotee becomes greedy for krishna while hearing about the different ecstatic emotions displayed by a parikar or a family mem- member confident part- uh, participating in krishna's braja pastimes the devotee thinks let this spiritual emotion also bloom in my heart such meditations are never interrupted by the need to seek consent from either the scripture or logic and especially the logical presentation of others in the matter of our choice of the pursuit of our hearts affair with krishna if by chance a devotee feels any uncertainty then his desire to possess the spiritual emotions of a parikar cannot be called lobha no one can ever develop lobha from following scriptural injunctions listen to this one that is a very interesting one no one can ever develop lobha by following scriptural injunctions nor can one obtain the desired spiritual object if the mind is endlessly analyzing whether or not one is eligible real lobha appears immediately when one sees or hears about krishna <coughs> in this connection i would like to pre- refer to uh a statement by shila bhakta siddhanta sarasvati in his prakrita ras satadushini here he says that the awakening of transcendental emotional ecstasies bhava bhakti <coughs> which is what we're all after in the pursuit of prema is never said to occur before the practice of sadhana bhakti the performance of regulated devotion with faith limited only to 
such beginning regulations, meaning Vaidhi Shraddha. In other words, the performance of regulative devotion based on Shastra Vishvasmai Shraddha, which is termed shortly as uh, Vaidhi Shraddha which means that there is a predominance of fear of transgressing the rules and regulations of the Shastra, which is the guiding or, or the predominating feature of the impetus for engaging in devotional practices. Such type of performance of regulative devotional service can never give rise to spontaneous devotional service or Raganuga Bhakti. It can never give rise. So, <clears throat> what is actually required is that the receptive disciple hears in the association of the Rasik Vaishnavas. When we say Rasik Vaishnavas, Rasik means that he is relishing Rasa, Rasa, relishing Rasa. The relishment of rasa <coughs> can never appear before the stage of bhava. So, rasik Vaishnavas must at least be bhavuka. They may not be premika, but they must be at least bhavuka. They must have realized their stai bhava and be absorbed in the spontaneous pursuit of their loving devotional sentiments. That is called Nija Abhishta Bhava Maya, which means that they are constantly absorbed in their uh, <coughs> particular uh, desired emotional sentiments. So, it is necessary to hear from Rasik Vaishnavas. That is why um, we should seek out the association of Rasik Vaishnavas. Because those who are aspiring to get the, let's say, the benefit of the Gaudiya Sampradaya require the association of the Rasik Vaishnavas, it is not inappropriate to point out that the association can be had through Vani and that Srila Prabhupada is Param Rasik Vaishnava number one as a Nityasiddha avatar coming from the spiritual world as he himself uh, let's say, concurred with the understanding that, that he is Shaktyabesh avatar of Nityananda Sarup Shakti. Nityananda Sarup Shakti means the Sarup Shakti of Nityananda. And that Sarup Shakti of Nityananda may have various aspects in various rasas. But primarily in relationship to the, to the performance of Rupanuga Bhajan, it is important for us to understand necessary for us to understand that 
within the consideration of Srila Prabhupada's being the Shaktivesh avatar of Nityananda Sarup Shakti is the is the consider um, the understanding that that he is the manifestation of the Madhurya aspect of the heart of Nityananda in the form of Janava. After all, he is the representative of our Guru Diksha Sampradaya. And our Guru Diksha Sampradaya is coming from none other than Janava Nithai. The Bhagavad Sampradaya is coming through the Rupanuga system, Bhagavad system, or Shiksha Sampradaya. But our Diksha Sampradaya, through which the Diksha mantras are coming, are coming from Janava Devi. So it is not wrong to conclude that he is the representative of Janava or an empowered Shakti Abhesh manifestation of Janava, who is none other than Anangamanjari, who is the most confidential associate of Srimati Radharani in Braja. Therefore, it is, it is uh, essential for those who are interested or who recognize within themselves the inherent capacity for augmenting the Madhurya Ras, for them to understand how it is that we have the greatest facility for doing so at the feet of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. And that by His grace we gain entrance into all the Siddhanta because without understanding the Gaudiya Siddhanta it is not possible for us to actually get a grasp on the Sambandha Tattva Gyan which is the preliminary uh, let's say uh, foundation of our uh, let's say uh, uh, evolution to the uh, terrace of Prima our aim is Prema. Every jiva, Braja Prema, not any other Prema. Every jiva has the inherent capacity to augment the bhavas of the realm of Braja. This is <coughs> stated. This is stated by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his Sri Krishna Samhita. For reference, there is not any jiva in existence, neither in this material world, neither in the Vaikuntas, neither in uh, in uh, the uh, the realm of Ayodhya, Dwarka, Mathura, Vaikuntha, Vrindavan. There is not one jiva which does not have the inherent capacity. For augmenting the Brajabhavas. Prabhupada has made the point how it is that even those who are situated in the Vaikuntha Lokas can be, uh, let's say, promoted to the realm of Golok. The only consideration is whether or not we're going to maintain attachments to various material or spiritual conditionings. There are materially conditioned souls and there are also spiritually conditioned souls. 
those who will be materially conditioned, wrought within the, uh, the, the prison house of material existence, and those who are spiritually conditioned souls, more or less wrought within the prison house, the confines of Vaikuntha. For those who are, uh, let's say, attracted to the realm of Braja and the Braja Leelas, who are attracted by the bhavas of the Brajbhasis, the prospects of attaining Vaikuntha is no better than the prospects of going to hell. So in reality, I feel that it's important for us to understand that these, sec these passages of the Bhagavatam, they are meant to inspire action they're meant to give us the impetus to go forward. They're meant to attract us to the higher realm. They're meant to give us the, the hope, the aspiration of having an eternal relationship with Prajendanand and Krishna. Just as Srila Prabhupada himself says, so many places Srila Prabhupada makes makes these uh, makes uh, these, these points to drive the point home into our dull heads Prophet said don't be dull headed have a heart one who has developed his love for Krishna first of all he says Krishna is easily available this is from Krishna's mat and Prophet's matchless gifts book he says, Krishna is easily visible, but he is only visible to those who are devoted to him. For those who are envious and foolish or unintelligent, he obscures himself by his veil of yoga maya. Yoga maya samadritaha. So, he says that uh, one who has developed this devotional love of Krishna can see him in his heart 24 hours a day. He, he describes that verse and then he says, those who can thus, he's, he's, the implication is, is that you should have love for Krishna. What are you waiting for? You know, come to this position. Do the needful. Krishna consciousness means doing the needful to get to that position whatever it takes don't delay Krishna, uh, Prabhupada goes further to say those who thus see Krishna are not anxious because they know where they're going at the time of death one who has taken the gift of Krishna consciousness knows that he will not have to return to this material world to take another body but that he will go to Krishna it is not possible to go to Krishna unless one attains a body like Krishna's, a Satchit Ananda Vigraha body, a body full of eternity, knowledge and bliss, like the gopis did, on the basis of their intensification of Purvarag. If they could not do it by their bhajan, then Yogamaya creates the situation wherein time and time again and this is applicable also in our own lives. We'll see how so many times we experience impediments in our progress of devotional service. 
even the idea that uh, let's say uh, uh, let's say uh, absorption in the studies of the Rasa Shastras is a kind of taboo in the ISKCON uh, let's say in the context of our ISKCON society that that sense of of uh, let's say uh, what, what you, you can say uh, apprehension about uh, entering into the subject matters or discovering, trying to discover the subject matters of attraction to our heart or in other words even uh, we can say discussing the pastimes of Krishna and the gopis as they're presented in these chapters of Srimad Bhagavatam sometimes we hear no, no, first deserve, then desire, first deserve, then we, we also say first deserves, then the desire. But the principle is when you deserve to desire is when your desire is big enough. When your desire is big and so big that there's no room in your heart for any other desire. That is the mark of lobha. That is the mark of Lopa. When we see by hearing the pastimes of Krishna that our heart becomes, let's say, infatuated, inflamed with a desire to also have similar bhavas, then it's possible for us to, say, go beyond the restrictions placed before us in the form of the anartas, in the form of various, uh, let's say, um, prohibitions by our superiors, etc. Where there's a will, there's a way. For someone who is anxious to attain the lotus feet of Krishna, there's no one and there's nothing who can stop him. Even if he has to go about secretly worshipping Krishna in the core of his heart, and secretly behind the hidden doors reading Radha Rasa Sudhanidhi reading uh, Govinda Lilamrit reading all these Rasa Shastras and ultimately the devotees must come to this position in order to appreciate the matchless gift of Krishna consciousness that Srila Prabhupada has given us because Prabhupada himself just like in Chaitanya Charitamrita Prabhupada mentions in one purport that anyone who wants to understand about Krishna, Krishna's devotees and pure devotional service must read Brihat Bhagavatamrita by which you can understand the superlative nature of Braja in relation to, to all other realms by which you can understand the real purpose of the Bhagavatam by which you can become freed from any doubts about the goal of life. One cannot enter into fire and not perish unless he himself becomes fire. And similarly, one cannot enter into the spiritual world in a body that is not spiritual. This is a reiteration of what we're just discussing in, the, in, in our today's Bhagavad purport 
in a spiritual body Prabhupada is uh, trying to you can see he is trying to enchant us he is calling us in a spiritual body one can dance with Krishna in the rasa dance like the gopis and the cowherd boys this is not an ordinary dance but the dance of eternity in the association of the supreme personality of godhead only those who have become purified in their love for krishna can participate in it therefore one should not take this process of krishna consciousness as something cheap but as a matchless gift bestowed upon suffering humanity by the lord himself simply by engaging in this process all the anxieties and fears of one's life in which 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 in actuality revolve about the fear of death are allayed so prophet is telling like this we read in in the um in the uh krishna book where prophet is purporting these very verses that are under discussion today where prophet is telling that the gopis who joined the rasalila that they were coming from the status of ordinary human beings what are we what are we supposed to get out of that statement it is not that we're supposed to just say oh that's very interesting interesting data you know to put into our computer brain so that we can regurgitate it at the time of the next bhagavatam class to show how erudite we are no coming from the status of ordinary human beings we should be thinking that well i'm also an ordinary human being so if they were coming from the status of ordinary human beings then it may be possible for me to also attain that status therefore i should go for it that's the conclusion hearing is only solidified by application of the principle if we don't have the the let's say uh predilection of mind to apply the principle to put it to uh, to, to practicality in our own life then we miss the real purpose we misunderstand so uh it is essential that we that we take seriously our uh our 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 say purpose in life and the purpose of hearing bhagavad gita and the purpose of let's say augmenting any rasa for the matter of pleasing krishna for the matter of pleasing shrimati radharani you know it is our only let's say goal of life and is our only means the means and the ends have to be the same if you were to hope to get 
Braja Prema, then the means has to be the cultivation of Braja Prema, not the cultivation of Vaikuntha Bhakti, not the cultivation of Dwarka Bhakti. Cultivation of Braja Prema means Raganuga Bhakti. And that is what Prabhupada is giving us. Prabhupada is giving us Raganuga Bhakti. For those who don't have the lobha as of yet, there's the safeguard, the safety net. Just like when you're walking a tightrope, you require to keep the goal in mind. And you have to make steady progress toward that goal without being deviated on one side to sense gratification, on the other side to mental speculation. So, there's sometimes requirement, the safety net. Sometimes it is seen that the safety net is varnash from dharma. And from another point of view, the safety net can be seen to be as vaidhi bhakti. You must follow these rules and regulations. You must chant 16 rounds of what? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. What is it that we're chanting? We're not, chant, we're not told to chant 16 rounds of Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. We're not chant, told to chant 16 rounds of Om Namo Narayanaya. We're, chant, we're told to chant 16 rounds. The instruction is, the Guru's order, you must follow, do it. You can't disobey. Otherwise, aparad. So, it shakes us in our shoes and makes us, you know, think, oh, I must associate with the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. What does Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare mean? What did Prabhupada say it mean? Who cares what anybody else says it means? Prabhupada said that Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare means, Oh my dear Krishna! Oh my dear Radha! My dear Radharani, please engage me in your transcendental loving service. We're being forced to associate with that which is associated with the realm of Braja. We're being forced to associate with that which is veritably the realm of Braja. With the expectation that if we're a little soft-hearted, if we become a little purified from our hard-heartedness, soft-hearted means that the ground is cultivated so that the seed of Braja Bhakti can be planted so that the attraction will evolve. So that the Purvarag with the intensification of our desire to meet with Krishna in some future birth at least, even if it takes millions of lifetimes, will manifest within our heart the hope, the aspiration, the intense desire. So Srila Prabhupada has given the safety net of what is perceived by some as Vaidhi Bhakti, but it is not an ordinary affair. We should understand that it is directed toward Rag and is meant to bring us to the platform 
of appreciating the goal of the Rupanuga Sampradaya. The goal of the Rupanuga Sampradaya is to please Srimati Radharani. And in closing, I think that we should close it soon because it's getting later and later. But I would like to read a few passages for the benefit of a few devotees. For those who are not interested, who, who have no, let's say, adhikar eligibility to, to enter into the depths of this subject matter, which perhaps most of us don't, but a handful might. So for them, uh, I would like to read, and for the rest, the subject matter will naturally go over the, the head, <laughs> and it may not be of any use to anyone. But even if there's one person who will appreciate this, I'll consider that the purpose in, uh, let's say, presenting it is successful. This is from Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur's Radharasa Sudhanidhi, which is, you can say, the supreme uh, literature involving the principle of devotion to the feet of Radha. Whatever nectarine lake of rasa, overflowing with Govindakata, cultivated within my consciousness, and whatever days are passed in singing the glories of his qualities and worshipping him with nice decorations and ornaments, and whatever unalloyed loving affection I have established amongst his dearmost loving devotees. May all these activities give pleasure to the life-giving beloved of Nanda's dear son, Sri Radha. So this, anyway, because the Rasalila chapters
a kind of succubob adopting the Aprakrita Srirup of a Brajagopi who has the, uh, let's say, what is called as Radhika Asamasneadika. Radhika Asamasneha. Sneha means affection. So Radhika Asamasneha means that Asama means it is unequal. Samasneha means that there is equal affection. Radha Krishna Samasneadika Sakis like the Parampresta Sakis or the Asta Sakis or the Priya Sakis they have equal affection to Radha and Krishna. And then some Sakis have the uh, uh, let's say unequal or more affection to Krishna like Dhanishta like Kundalata Krishna's niece if anyone has, is familiar with any of these uh, different characters in the drama of Krishna's Leelas then you will understand how it is so that they are more affectionate because they always act for Krishna's pleasure. But there are two categories of Sakis, namely the Pran Sakis and the Nitya Sakis, who are Radhika Asamasneadika. That means that they have, although they love both Krishna and Radharani, they have slightly more affection for Radha. And generally, being predisposed toward Radha's pleasure, they always act in whatever capacity, they always act for the pleasure of Radha. So, this verse that I just wrote, read, is, is an expression of what is uh, let's say generally known as Manjari Bhav. Manjari Bhav is not something which is let's say categorically relegated to one understanding. There are many varieties of Manjaris or maidservants of Shimati Radharani. And they all have varieties of moods as no two snowflakes are alike you could hardly expect to corral all the moods of the Manjaris into one let's say categorical concept but there is an underlying similarity in that they all act for the pleasure of Radha what they do may vary according to their own dispositions. But, uh, the the main principle is to give pleasure to Radha. If they do anything to give pleasure to Krishna, then that is for the pleasure of Radha. 
if they do anything for the pleasure of anyone else or even for the pleasure of themselves, that is for the pleasure of Radha. The main feature of their devotional attitude is that they see the importance of acting as an instrument in the hands of their guru. They're only, let's say, because after all, as Lord Shiva tells to Parvati, that Vishnu Aradhanam is the topmost. Worship of Vishnu or Krishna is the topmost. But even higher than worshipping Vishnu or Krishna is the worship of Vishnu or Krishna Sadiya, the devotee of Krishna. So we are to focus in the context of the present chapters following in the mood of Rupa and Rati Manjari as they have been displayed aptly by Rupa Goswami and by Raghunathas Goswami following in the mood of our predecessor charges in the line from Janava those who are let's say uh, recognizing within themselves the inherent capacity to augment the Madhurya Ras they must essentially prepare themselves by appreciating and adopting this devotional attitude of the Manjari's religious fervor at the feet of Radha. Rati Manjari and Rupa Manjari enter into the Nikunja Sevas, but they have different Sevas. Although their purpose is one, Rati Manjari will immediately, without any, let's say, drawing of straws or flipping of coins, they automatically go to do that which they feel naturally impelled to do by the desires of Radha. Rati Manjari will serve the limbs of Radha, massaging her limbs to relieve her fatigue. And Rupa Manjari will massage the limbs of Krishna. So someone will think at a casual, casual glance that Rupa Manjari must be Krishna Asamasnayadika. But no. Rupa Manjari, understanding the pain in Radha's heart, Radha wants to also because Radha's pleasure is derived from Krishna's pleasure and Radha's distress is derived from Krishna's distress. So understanding that and being in tune with Radha's heart, she understands that Radha's distressed on knowing the tiredness of Krishna's limbs. So for Radha's pleasure, 
to relieve Radha's distress, she will give pleasure to Krishna. And also, it is there in Anangamanjari Samputika, how it is that instigated by Srimati Radharani, Anangamanjari goes to satisfy Radharani's Krishna. All these things are in the mood of Radhika Asamasneha. Because their main interest is to give pleasure to Radha in all respects. So, whenever what, uh, we should understand that in this book, Radharasa Sudhaniti, of course, now I'm giving a class on Radharasa Sudhaniti, but uh, we should understand something about the purpose of Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur's appearance, or we should say Tungavidya Saki's appearance as Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur. Tungavidya is one of the Astasakis who is having this Radha Krishna Samasneha. She's equally disposed toward Radha and Krishna. But just as Mahaprabhu appears in order to fulfill his, Krishna's own desires to relish something which was impossible to be relished in the, in the Krishna Lila, Mahaprabhu appears and manifests his Gaur Lila. Uh, to access an experience which was otherwise, let's say, uh, impracticable in the matter of his relishing Radha's bhav. So similarly, many others of the Parshatas of Krishna, they also appeared in the Leela of Fulfillment, that is, Gaur Leela, to fulfill the desires which were unable to be fulfilled in their Krishna Leela. Krishna does such a thing. So, the other associates of Krishna say, hey, that's a great idea too. You know, let, let, us, let us also do. We, you know, we also want to. You can, you can do the impossible, so we can also do the impossible. We can fulfill our impossible dreams by, by also becoming counterpart associates of Gora. So, Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur, he is Tungavidya Saki, who's seeing the unparalleled devotional ecstasy of the maidservants of Radha also wants to relish, experience, enter into that Radha Dasyam, enter into that, um, that uh, let's say, Dasi Bhav, 
So, as Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur, he is absorbed in Manjari Bhav. And he is giving expression, the full gamut, expression to the full gamut of Manjari Tattva in his Radha Rasa Suraniti. Here we see that he's saying that may all these activities relishing Govinda Katha, you know, decorating Krishna's form, like we decorate the deity with nice clothes and ornaments and garlands, that let this all be done for the pleasure of Radha. Let this be done for the pleasure of my Guru. As I, by His grace, have become a fit instrument in His, Her hands. So, this is the, the mood. And He goes on further to say that the best of variegated ornaments, this is what we have to look forward to if you're interested in augmenting that bob. If there's no interest, then what can we say? I will do your own thing. But if, if there is an interest in augmenting that bob, sprouting in your heart by having heard about the topics of Krishna's activities with his gopikas, then these ideas will be very profound and influential in the matter of cultivating that bhav. The best of variegated ornaments, brilliant silken dress, and magnificent corset, nicely decorated by her girlfriend with tilak, perfumes, and flower garlands too, who has completely mastered all self-taught arts of music and dance. When will our Swamini allow us entrance into the beautiful Rasa festival of sweetness? This is the goal of our life. As Prabhupada purports Nartam Das Thakur in one of his songs, that the goal of this Krishna consciousness movement is to participate in the Rasa festival of Radha and Krishna. When nice jewels, waist bells, bangles, anklets, decorated by the best of ornaments, the great circle of dancing sweetness, astounding pastimes while enjoying the Rasa festival. Listen, although we are dancing, this is the Manjari speaking, although we, as Manjaris, are dancing with our beloved Krishna's strong arms 
about our necks, still we will only look toward the footprints of our Raseshri, Shimati Radharani. I'm taking great risk in presenting these topics today, but I hope someone out there appreciates. If out of affection, Radhe, you order me to go to your beloved and play the role of a lusty love thief, love thief play the role of a lusty love thief, then please hear my resolute conviction. This is something we have to look forward to. But please remember that because it does not, let's say, breach the principles of Radhika Asamasneha, it never, let's say, it never loses the Babalas Rati. Babalas Rati, wherein the Babas of the Sakhi or the Swamini or the uh, Yuteshvari, Radha, become manifest in the heart, is never lost. Yet, the Manjaris, they're prepared to do anything and everything for the pleasure of Radha, even if it means going to the hell of New York City to preach the glories of Braja Bhakti to the world. They consider hell and heaven the same. As we mentioned, they consider Vaikuntha hell without the flute playing lover of Radhika. What is the use of a Krishna without Radha? If out of affection, Radhe, you order me, prepared to do any order, of course, different maidservants will have different, let's say, moods. So. Some maidservants like Mani Manjari, even if she's ordered to do so, she will cling tightly to the feet of Radha and refuse, transcendentally disobeying the orders of Radha, which is another subject matter. But just to show, in principle, how, in general, the maidservant's mood is to do anything and everything, whatever is required, to relieve the distress of the heart of their Swamini. If you order me to go to your beloved and play the role of a lusty love thief, then please hear my resolute conviction. I will glance at him through the corners of my eyes while mildly smiling and with all my limbs excitedly enraptured 
I will forcibly, I will forcefully lock him in a robust embrace, all the while relishing the mellows of your lotus feet. These are very, very profound statements which will help to, let's say, round out the understanding of the Manjari's attitude of loving service at the lotus feet of Srimati Radharani. This is an example of Manjari's resolute devotional loyalty to Sri Radha. Krishna says, This maidservant is the object of mercy for the mistress of my life. Thus thinking, he kisses me, embraces me, makes me go wild by the honey wine of intoxicating amorous love, behaving with a most astonishingly wonderful increase of specially attentive affection toward me. Yet still, Sri Radhe, my mind only remains absorbed in the amazing rasa pastimes of your lotus feet. Just see. So, and when, enshrining in my heart Radha's lotus feet, the monarchs of all mercy, will I ever be able to conquer the endless trivial rules of this world? And when will the reservoir of pleasure, Sri Govinda, in the sole interest of Prema, ever impart to this exclusively favored soul all the amorous arts taught by himself. He becomes the dance teacher, and the Manjari maidservant becomes the student by the grace of Radha. And I have, in closing, one more, or two more, maybe. Where did it go? Yes, here it is, one more, if you don't mind. Millions of the best methods. Two more, excuse me. Millions of the best methods of regulated devotional practice become as rejectable as garbage. Listen to that again. Millions of the best methods of regulated devotional practice become rejectable as garbage for one who daily absorbs in hearing 
and chanting the name of Radha. Millions of the topmost goals of human existence stand ready to worship the timeless nectar of Radha's lotus feet. Millions of brilliantly divine desire trees are always present in the playground forest of Radha's lotus feet. Millions of amazing mystic perfections lie heaped up and uncared for at the feet of Sri Radha's maidservants. Some advocate the doctrine of oneness with impersonal beatitude. Others are maddened with the divine happiness of offering prayers to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Still others taste and relish the matchless supreme bliss of Sakya, friendship with Govinda, Vatsaya, parental affection, or Madhurya, conjugal love. But Sri Radha's maidservants feel the exclusively topmost limit of the astonishingly creamy essence of the sum total of all ecstatic joy simply by a single ray of the sportive live network of auras sparkling from the brilliant toenail jewels of her precious lotus feet. Srimati Radharani Ki Jai Gantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Hare Krishna Srila Jai Do you want to ask a question or make a comment or what? Yes, one quick comment. Okay. As Mahaprabhu. Param Vijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtana Ki Jai Kirtan Not only that, but the Sakas and others also participated in the Kirtan. And amazingly, this is a very nice point that you're bringing out, which I also was going to bring out. I had had a a reference to it also, but we won't uh, go into it much deeper. But it is important to understand how this Samkirtan performance is likened to the Rasa Dance Festival. This, ra- this Rasa Dance Festival, and 
the more we absorb in, let's say, or the more we gain adhikar for chanting the pure name in the performance of Prema Samkirtan, the more we actually become fit for gaining entrance into the Rasa festival in the Krishna Leela. Actually, this Samkirtan movement, which is, let's say, extended to us by the grace of our Guru Parampara through Srila Prabhupada, is none other than, let's say, an ongoing manifestation of Gorlila. And in fact, wherever there is pure chanting of the holy name in Samkirtan, Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda also appear and dance along in the chanting, uh, in, in the Samkirtan performance. So, although ordinarily it may be a very arduous and painstaking affair, just as it is described that the sages of Dandakaranya in a previous yuga, they were performing severe tapasyas or the Shruti Char, the, the, the personified the Shruti Devis, they were performing severe tapasyas uh, in order to achieve the, uh, the uh, let's say, the, the benediction of appearing in Krishna Leela as gopis to dance with Krishna in the Rasa dance. There is a description in, in uh, some authorities say that the sages of Dandakaranya, they were performing Raganuga Sadhana for five kalpas. And that is the reason why it is said that the, um, the gopis, uh, let's say, long cherished desires to have Krishna as their supreme husband. Long cherished desires doesn't mean, this is directly referring to the sages of Dandakaranya who worshipped the goddess Katyani. <coughs> along with other Nityasiddha gopis to, uh, let's say, get the fulfillment of their desires. It is not just a matter of uh, Krishna stealing the garments of the gopis and then blessing them that in a future, uh, let's say, autumn night on Shard Purnima that they would be able to have the, the fulfillment of their desires to get Krishna as their husband, but rather uh, it's referring to the fact that they spent long, arduous, let's say, as long as much as five kalpas is described that they, that they, that the sages of Dhanikranya, they achieved birth in Braja as gopis, uh, uh, let's say, after five Kalpas of arduous, painstaking performance of Kalpas means a day of Brahma. So <laughs> Mahaprabhu's Leela came and went five times. You know, Krishna's Leela came and went five times before they got the, let's say, uh, uh, the eligibility, you know, to, uh, let's say, achieve Krishna in Maharas. So, uh, still, uh, we should understand that uh, the types of 
performances of penances and austerities that were performed by such sages in previous kalpas or in previous uh, uh, yugas, you know, can easily be had by the grace of the Sankirtan movement. Certainly within one lifetime, if one gives up <coughs> his superfluous attachments, just like, and this is what we have to learn from, the main point that we have to learn, that why the gopis were detained, why they were kept in bondage, it is the same point why we are kept in bondage. You know, the husbands of our, let's say, vikarmas and sukarmas, you know, of the reactions to our nama paradam, etc., are keeping us bound to lower grades of devotional realizations, devotional experience. So it's so much important, you know. Nevertheless, we should simultaneously understand that performance of Samkirtan in the movement of Lord Chaitanya is not merely a matter of Vaidhi Bhakti. <coughs> this is wrong preaching. And I'll say it you know, to anyone's face. I don't care if they're the biggest leaders in this movement. They're preaching wrongly if they say that the worship of Lord Chaitanya in Dasyabhav refers to Vaidhi Bhakti. It is wrong, wrong, wrong. And it is making a, a, a let's say, confusion among devotees. Worship of Lord Chaitanya in Dasyabhav means to serve Lord Chaitanya in the mood, understanding that he is the manifestation of the heart of Radha and serving him, assisting him, as did the other associates of Lord Chaitanya, in augmenting his relishment of that bhava. That is to serve. And that, in effect, is tantamount to the cultivation of Manjari Bhav, by which one gains the Adhikar to become as a maidservant of Radha in the Krishna Leela. So the performance of Sankirtan in Dasyabhav, in Lord Chaitanya's mission, assisting him in his relishment of Radharani's ecstasies, uh, is the cultivation of Rag Bhakti. It's not what you do, it's the mentality. If you're going out on Sankirtan or book distribution simply because the temple authorities ordered you to do so, therefore I'm going, and going out and going through the motion, you know, for making money or for, you know, getting the big score on the, you know, when they make the announcements at the, for some ego gratification or whatever, or just because, you know, I'm feeling uh, duty-bound or whatever it may be. This, this may come under the category of Vaidhi Bhakti, or it may come under the category of Karma Mishra Bhakti, or it may come under the category of, of, of uh, let's say, uh, Bhakti Abbas. 
it may not have anything to do with bhakti because it's only a vehicle or a means by which I can get the self-aggrandizement that I'm actually desiring within the core of my heart without any consideration, real consideration of the pleasure of Krishna, although we may give lip service to it. That doesn't constitute rag bhakti. But if the attitude is to augment the pleasure of guru, the augment with, with agreed to relish the, the uh, let's say, the, uh, the moods of the associates of Lord Chaitanya in their performance of Samkirtan, to get behind them, to sympathize with them, to, to, to assist them in their, uh, let's say, uh, endeavors to, uh, to facilitate the happiness of Lord Chaitanya, to relieve Lord Chaitanya's distress. Radha's distress is in knowing Krishna's distress. And there is a part in Krishna's heart which feels distress upon knowing the plight of the fallen conditioned souls. So Radharani, she feels ten million times the happiness of her own meeting, personal meeting with Krishna by making arrangements for others to meet with Krishna. Therefore, the external the fulfillment of the external purposes of Lord Chaitanya's advent, advent in the matter of broadcasting the Samkirtan movement for the benefits, benefit of the fallen conditioned souls is, let's say, a necessary integral part of Mahaprabhu's relishment of the Mahabhav of Srimati Radharani in the matter of experiencing ten million times the happiness of her own happiness and distress in, the, in, in meeting and separation from Krishna by making the arrangement for others to also meet with Krishna. So to participate in that mood, to participate in the Samkirtan movement of Lord Chaitanya, in the mood of assisting Gora and assisting the Acharyas in their endeavors to assist Gora in the matter of relieving his distresses, you know, which ultimately are founded in Krishna's distresses, Radha's distress, or knowing Krishna's distress for the fallen conditioned souls, to give them a chance to also enter into the Rasa dance, which gives Radharani the greatest pleasure. Radharani gives, gets the greatest pleasure by making the arrangements for others to meet with Krishna. Therefore, our performance of Samkirtan, whether it's the chanting, congregational chanting, public, either on the streets or in the temple, here in Vrindavan, this is lazy, intelligent Samkirtan mission. We don't have to go anywhere. The public is coming to us. So, whether it's performing Samkirtan by chanting the holy name, broadcasting the holy name, or whether it's uh, performing uh, Samkirtan in the matter of uh, uh, the Brihad Kirtan book distribution process of enlightenment of fallen conditioned souls or whether it's you know the worship of the deity in the temple or whether it's cleaning the temple or cooking for the devotees the army runs on its belly you know all for the purpose of relieving the distress of Mahaprabhu all for the purpose of assisting the charges Nikunjayuno Ratikeli Siddhai 
assisting the gopis in making tasteful who the gopis who are making tasteful arrangements for the perfection of Radha and Krishna's loving affairs part of that making the tasteful arrangement for the perfection of Radha and Krishna's loving affairs is engaging others in the affair to bring new people to give Krishna more and more let's say uh, let's say uh, 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 increased varieties of transcendental loving experiences within himself which are all aimed at the pleasure of his favorite and dearmost devotees the emancipated jivas who experience the ananda the golden ananda contrasted against the black background of their previous you know conditional life of material existence Yes. Yes, this, 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 uh, this point was reiterated by Srila Prabhupada in one lecture. And he makes the point that only one, when, when one is completely freed from all anartas is one actually competent to relish these topics. And that should be understood in its proper context because as we were making the point earlier that the commencement of rag bhajan cannot be it cannot be concluded that it can only uh, say manifest in the lives of devotees who are completely free from all anarthas because to be freed from all the reactionary results of the anarthas means to attain vastu city or the spiritual satchitananda deha as the gopis did in order to dance with Krishna in the rasa dance so we cannot conclude that the consideration of completely free from all anartas refers to uh, there's two ways of looking at it one way is to understand that yes only when one is completely freed from all anartas and actually has the spiritual body with which to experience Mahabhav can one actually enter into the understanding or deeply penetrate the understanding of what is actually being discussed in the more intimate pastimes of Radha and Krishna. Because no sadhaka can actually penetrate because they have no practical experience. So it is true to understand in that way that only those who have attained spiritual bodies are actually fit, the fittest to discuss these things. 
However, Prabhupada also says in the same lecture, Prabhupada uh, tells that because you are devotees, who are on the progressive path it is not wrong to discuss no one can understand even the Nityaparika of Srimati Radharani cannot penetrate to understand the actual extent of Srimati Radharani's bhavas We've explained this in a previous class. Radharani's bhavas are like Mount Sumeru compared to the bhavas of the other gopis which are comparable to three or four mustard seeds. You cannot expect that those who have the experience of the bhavas of three or four mustard seeds are going to be able to understand the bhavas of a Mount Sumeru of Mahabhav. Madhanakya Mahabhav is only relishable by Radha alone. So Lalita Saki and Vishaka Saki, what to speak of others? Even Radharani herself, because she's not different from Krishna, she also cannot understand the extent of her uh, the extent of the glories of her Mahabhav. She relishes and then as she relishes the cognizance of that which is to be relish you know has to expand as the cause of the relishment expands. Her glories are ever-expanding as Krishna's glories are ever-expanding. So it's to be understood that just as Krishna, he cannot know the extent of his glories completely because as he, as he, when, he begins, when he tries to know, then his glories expand even more. So similarly, Radha. So who can understand Radha? No one can understand Radha. Does that mean that we should never access does that mean that we should never even take a peek? Even the peak, the eternal associates can hardly get a peak, but they become mesmerized, they become mystified, and they become attached to the lotus feet of Radha on account of understanding that there's something wonderful, something wonderful here. No one can know. Even the Manjaris, in the matter of their Babalas Rati, wherein the Babas of their Swamini become manifest in the heart, but because they're Jivas, how much of that unlimitedness can become manifest? But they can taste a drop of it upon attaining Vastu City. They can taste a drop of the ocean, of the nectarine. Radha Rasa Sudha Nidhi Nidhi means ocean they can taste a, a drop of it the Siddha Bhaktas the Babukas and the Premika Bhaktas who are still in the Sadak Deha 
they are simply standing on the shore and at best they can experience the mist which is blowing from the breezes from the ocean side so sadhakas what they can get it's just like when you're going toward the ocean you may not be standing at the shore but as you're approaching the ocean because you're being pushed in that direction simultaneously pushed by the vidis and pulled by the attraction which creates the lobha or the greed to go toward the ocean what is that attraction? that is the scent the sadhakas can hardly have a scent of the ocean but that scent is enough to drive them mad, make them mad after the pursuit of prema, which causes them to systematically uh, kick away any, any obstacles. That is why rag bhajan is considered to be strong, whereas vaidhi bhajan is weak. Vaidhi bhakti is weak because it is based on fear, only pushing but no attraction. When attraction arises within the heart by associating with the subject matters of discussion, you know, then that attraction creates the lobha within the heart. It enhances the poor varag. It generates feelings of separation, which, which ultimately is caused by desires or anticipations, the hopes, the aspirations to get the thing, to meet with Krishna. But if you never see the thing because it's all hush hush, don't don't say it, don't you know it becomes <clears throat> the Maya bodies are preaching like anything. Practically speaking, the Maya bodies and the the, the uh, professional reciters of Bhagavatam who are practically Maya bodies anyway, they're preaching like anything. All over India, all over the world. So what people will get what understanding they will get. They will get the Mayabad conception. They'll understand that, that, that the activities of Krishna and the gopis are tantamount to the material activities because Mayabadi conception is that Krishna's body, what to speak of the bodies of the associates of Krishna are transformations of the modes of material nature. They are Maya. So therefore, that is Maya and we are also Maya. Therefore, we can enjoy take, adopting the, pro, the, the, the philosophy of monism they, they uh, let's say, engage in sahaja activities. So if that's the understanding that the people are going to get, you know, and we're, you know, cowering in the corner like a bunch of cowards, incapable of giving proper explanation of the subject matter for the benefit of the fallen conditioned souls, attaching ourselves to a misconception that these subject matters are not to be discussed. They are to be discussed when they're coming in Sampradaya, when the understanding is coming in, coming in Sampradaya, they're to be heard from right sources, from people who have the right understanding, who at least who are repeating the principles as delineated by the predecessor of charges, even if they don't have full realization. But they're not changing the thing. They're giving the right understanding. When we say Krishna is Satchitananda Vigraha, what do we understand about what we just said? You know, do you know what is Satchitananda Vigraha? Do you know what is, you know, 
Mahabhav Surupini? Can anyone say? No one can say. Practically speaking, only those who, are, who have experienced and realized the Sat Chitananda, Siddha Sarup, at least on the stage of Bhava, they can get some glimpse of the meaning of the thing. But for us, as you know, neophytes, sadhakas, etc., you know, we hear again and again, Ishvara Parama Krishna, such, you know, what does it mean, Ishvara Parama Krishna, such, you know, these are basically words that are, you know, going in one ear, out the other, you know, they create some impression. But what impression, what, what impression can they create? But they're the words of the acharyas, therefore they're purifying to the heart to hear them. And by hearing them, even if we don't understand, but we go on hearing, and gradually our heart becomes more purified and we become more eligible. Our adhikar increases and we can gradually at least begin to get a scent of, the, of the, the meaning of the subject matter. And when we get a scent of it, that scent will allure us and away from maya, you know, to the spiritual platform. So therefore, it is described by Srila Prabhupada in Nectar Devotion that the eagerness to follow in the footsteps of the Brajbhasis can only uh, appear within the heart of a devotee when he is completely freed from material contamination. But then he expresses what it means, what he means by completely freed from material contamination. He says there is a stage in the development of bhajan called anarthanavritti. So we have to see. Adal shraddha, tathal sadhu sangha, bhajanakriya, anarthanavrityasa and onward, nishta, ruchi, asakti, bhav, prema. So, anarthanavritti, and this is what is being discussed in this purport, where it's describing that by hearing, the effect is anarthanavritti. At the stage of anarthanavritti, by hearing about the pastimes of Krishna, the scraps of material, material desires become driven out from the heart. All inauspicious things and all so-called auspicious things become driven out from the heart by this hearing process. So therefore, it is important that devotees get a chance to hear. We may be on different levels of devotional realization or lack of it thereof, but to give chance for the realizations to come about we should be introduced to the subject matter. If we're not introduced to the subject matter and it's kept hidden from us, then who will know? Who will know about it? Who will get the benefit? But it should be explained properly in the context of the Siddhanta of our Gaudiya Sampradaya. Then the position will be alright. And there is no harm in discussing. The more intimate pastimes. There are many books which are much more intimate in the descriptions of the pastimes of Radha and Krishna than what we will see in the pages of the Bhagavatam. So we may want to reserve them for later stages of pure devotional development. But at least the, the, uh, the basic preliminary understanding of the principles of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan tattvas should be displayed so that people can get, you know, a grasp. They can grasp the 
the ideal, at least to a certain extent, and go for it. So there's need to discuss these things in the assembly of Vaishnavas. Others who are passing through, they're not going to. It's going. They're not going to hear. You know, they might hear something. You know, what what is the? But in the assembly of devotees, especially interested devotees, devotees who come all the way to Vrindavan, you know, because of attraction to Vrindavan, we must admit that there's some attraction to Vrindavan. That attraction to Vrindavan is attraction to Krishna. So we can't deny that, and we have to inspire, we have to nourish, encourage, fan the spark into the fire. How can we do that unless we discuss, you know, at the same time, it is a fact that the principles of rasa tattva, etc. should never be disclosed. They can never be imparted to persons who are so neophyte, who have such pliable faith, that they cannot even appreciate that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead in theory. If the theory is intact, if someone has heard from the proper source and the theory is there, then by, on the basis of the application of the theory, the realizations can come, the proper realizations can come. Those who have pliable faith means those who are not understanding or not accepting that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, they, if, if the subject matters of rasa tattva are disclosed to them, they can never properly serve those subject matters. So it should not be you know, explained to them. And anyone who explains to them is first-class bogus guru. Because he's not able to discern. But those who have that understanding, who are sitting at the feet of such a devotee as Srila Prabhupada, who adamantly again and again and again presses the point, you know, don't forget, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One should not uh, distract himself to any other form than Swayam Rup Krishna, who has two arms, playing the flute, beautiful lotus eyes, that person who is the lover of Srimati Radharani, the friend of Subal, the darling son of Nanda Yasoda. That person, bringing us again and again you know, to, to focus our attention upon Krishna, whose teachings creates within our heart pure devotional shraddha, which is characterized by pure devotional sharanagati, whose teachings impel us to accept those things which are favorable for the cultivation of uttama bhakti, anyabhilasita shunyam, rejecting things which are unfavorable, Understanding that Krishna is our only protector, being complete, you know, completely, completely, let's say, dependent on Krishna's mercy and the mercy of the pre- of the previous acharyas and our gurus, having no separate interest in the interest of Krishna, and always, as we began our class, remaining meek and humble, whatever it takes to bring us to that position, even if it says, "You lowly woman," you know, lowly woman. You know, who isn't lowly in this material world? There's a very nice statement by Krishna in Kavi Karnapur's Ananda Vrindavan Champu, where Krishna himself, he says that all sense-gratifying males 
other than myself, all sense-gratifying males, other than so-called males, other than myself, are vile creatures. Vile. Vile creatures. And all women, except the gopis, are low. So, you know, someone could say, wait a minute, you know, who is this Cubby Carnipur, you know, to put such a statement, you know, and who is this Christian to say such things anyway, you know? Don't you realize that, that, that we're women? Don't you realize that, you know, that, <laughs> that we're men, we're, we're competitors to Krishna? You know, who is he to say that, because I'm to say, he's a sense gratifier, so I'm a sense gratifier, so, you know, who is he to say, you know, things which are equal to the same thing are equal to each other? So if things are equal to each other, you know, then we might be thinking that we're as good as Krishna or any such other foolishness. But Krishna says, all other men, all other sense-gratifying males, other than myself, are vile creatures. You know, and all other women, except the gopis, are low. That's to put us in our place. Krishna's putting us in our place. Why? To make us humble. Because if we're not gonna if we're not gonna have the humility and accept that I'm in a lowly, fallen, degraded condition of life, you know, then I'm not even gonna be able to get off square one in our progress to devotional perfection. So that is their mercy. It is the mercy of the Vaishnavas that sometimes they remind us of these things, you know. So that, so that we don't become too puffed up, you know, with a uh, pretentious, you know, misconception about ourselves. You know, no high estimations of ourselves, please. You know, because it will not do us any good. Better to think that we're dirtier than the dirtiest of the dirty. You know, we're lower than the lowest of the low. Worser than the worstest of the worst. You know, that's 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 our real position, and from that standpoint, we can actually cry out for mercy and hope to get it. All right. Anyway, Hare Krishna. Enough's enough. To the Prabhupada ki jai. We could go until twelve o'clock, but we we'll, we'll cut it.